All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com Can you see Right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Adam's leaving. To the line, Hughes scores! In this existence, take you to listen. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1 nothing. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Where's your ding dong? Ding dong. Your ding dong. Chris. Oh, I forgot. My name is David Quadrelli. I can't see you talking. By DoorDash. <laughs> Chris forgot to uh, throw in the ding dong there. Uh, my name is David Quadrelli. This is the Canucks Conversation. But before I get to that, look, we're all off because you forgot to say ding dong. Never thought I'd see the day. No, but look uh, at the background should, here. Uh, the background that we have is beautiful today. There's some snow on the mountains here. You can see it uh, on the back cam there. Um, I got a lot of hair on the back of my head, so you can't see the crease in the back of my head, which is good. But the beautiful mountains up here and all the snow. We got snow yesterday in Vancouver for like an hour. Uh, and it's just, it's a beautiful backdrop today. And Lou's enjoying it. Aren't you, Lou? Yes, Lou is in my place today. Uh, we should also mention, 
DoorDash, uh, use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will get 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. As mentioned, folks, my name is Dave Quadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Our technical producer is Alex Allard. Uh, sitting in for me in the studio live today is Lou the Elephant. I uh, can always count on Lou for days that I can't make it downtown, which today is one of those days. But Chris, wasn't really a busy weekend for the Canucks, but the Vancouver Canucks are in Ottawa and had a morning skate, and I think we want to talk about it right away. Nope, not right off the bat. we got to talk about uh, what we both right, did. what do you got for me? Well, what we both did yesterday. Roar Lions Roar. BC Lions. We were both at the game there yesterday, having a good time at a sporting event, drinking some beers, having a great time. You know I'm a big Lions fan. I got my Lions claw there. I picked that up at the game yesterday. I got my Lions blanket because it was cold out there yesterday. BC Lions, that was a lot of fun, eh, Quads? You were surprised to see me in a G. Roy Simon jersey. That was your first reaction when you saw me. Yeah, I was a little blown away that you had a jersey. And uh, the G. Roy Simon, you can't go wrong with a G. Roy Simon uh, jersey, of course, at the Lions game. So that was great to see. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was just a blast being uh, at the BC Lions game, checking them out. Uh, they're going to move on to, like, some Western final, I believe, against uh, against Winnipeg. So they're heading over to Winnipeg. But it was wild because it just started snowing like crazy right before the game there. Like big, huge, huge snowflakes here in Vancouver, which is not something we often see. But uh, yeah, overall, just a blast. They put on a really good show. Uh, it's definitely a different crowd out there at BC Place than it is at Rogers Arena. And they were rowdy. It was great. Uh, it wasn't the most exciting first half, but it felt like the game was uh, in the Lions' hands pretty much throughout. So fun, fun little experience out there, that's for sure. Lions off to the Western uh, final, says Knucklehead. Yep, that's... Uh, it was good stuff. Exciting few plays, but I, okay, I got a little CFL rant here. The CFL is supposed to be like this exciting league where offense is like blowing up, right? The the receivers, they can run to the line of scrimmage before their routes. The, there should be a lot more deep passing attempts in the CFL. And I think there used to be like years and years ago, but it feels like now there's just not a lot of like exciting offense. It's wild to me that the NFL has so much more exciting passing plays when you know, it's a smaller field. They don't get to run up to the line of scrimmage. I just, I was a little blown away that there weren't more deep shots taken um, in that CFL game. That, that's my only little CFL bugaboo there. Well, I mean, I don't have much comment on the actual play. I just, I wanted to talk about the, you know, the venue itself and kind of the atmosphere that we got. And I understand that you can't really compare a CFL playoff game where there, in my lifetime at least, there's more hype around the Lions than ever before. And I, maybe I was too young when the Grey Cup was won. I believe that was like 2011 um, or 2010, whenever it was. But this is the most hype I've seen with people my age and everything. Like, you know, I'm seeing more and more younger people really being in on the Lions now. And you know, yesterday was a great experience. And again, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't think I've experienced that at a Canucks game in a long, long time, right? Like when we used to go, you know, as fans, we I had never really seen an atmosphere like that in a long time. And again, like it's kind of a testament to where the team's at right now. And I understand that you can't compare a playoff game to whatever the Canucks have been doing for the past, you know, X amount of years. But mm. I really enjoyed it at the Lions game. I thought it was a really good time. I thought the atmosphere was great. And Again, I know you can't really compare a playoff game to, you know, a Canucks game, but, you know, people that go to these Lions games all the time, you know, they tell me that's kind of what it's always like. It's not always full like that, but the people that are there are making noise and, you know, it's a different experience. Everybody's watching the game. Nobody's on their phones uh, like you see at Canucks games sometimes. No, it, it was great. And I, I maybe it was the beers yesterday, uh, but uh, I, by the end of it, I was saying, I'm getting season tickets next year. They're, they're 20 bucks a ticket pretty much for season. So that's going to cost you like, 200 bucks basically to go to every Lions game next year. I mean, come on. I'm going to get season tickets next year, I think. Uh, living right here beside it. it. It's normally we just get tickets last minute and then just end up going. But for this one, yeah, I went like right when they were launching and got that. So, yeah, good stuff from the Lions. We'll get to the Canucks in just a minute. But first, I got to uh, give a shout out to the good folks over at Canucks Reddit and congratulate them for surpassing 100,000 members over there on Canucks Reddit. So, shout out to them. Um, it, uh, a fun community. I'll say that it's a fun community over there uh, on Canucks Reddit. They just surpassed a hundred thousand members. So, uh, good stuff over there on the Reddit. They don't like you over there quads, but it's fine. They're, they're good folks over there on the Canucks Reddit. They like, they like the show. They listen to the show. I always see in the comments when there's always a post like once a month and it's like, 
oh, blah, 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 I'm tired of listening to radio. What's a good podcast? And we get a lot of shout-outs uh, on Canucks Reddit, so shout-out to them. Uh, I know a few people from there like will be Canucks listening. Reddit. Yeah, I know they don't they like, like you. They like me, too. Mm, I, like I don't them. know. Yeah, they like me. They okay. like me now. They like me now. Okay, let's get to it, Chris. Uh, it's there at the ticker at the bottom. Another blown lead for the Vancouver Canucks. Where do we start? Like, where do you start with this game? I, I have some thoughts on this, uh, as I typically do, and I don't really know where I want to start. Obviously, I want to start at Thatcher Demko, but I'm assuming that's not where you want to start. Nope. So I'll let you talk about the game, and I'll jump in with some stuff on Well, Demko. let's just start with the f- the first period was one of the best Canucks first periods we've seen in a long time. And I think a lot of that was because the Predators just, they weren't there, right? The Predators just didn't feel like they were in that game. Uh, shots were 13-3, to and the score was 3 nothing after the first 20 minutes. And at that point, it was like, hey, this is going to be a really fun night here on a Saturday night in Vancouver. And um, the interesting thing for me, and Alex, you can pull us up, the, the heat map. This is something that it's just like, hey, the shots were so much in the Vancouver Canucks' favor. Let's look at where these shots are coming from. They're all over the ice in the offensive zone. Well, yes, the Predators ended up having quite a few less shots. I think they finished, uh, was it 40-35, to 35, I think was the final um, for shots in that game. The Predators are getting all their shots from a high-danger area. I think this is something we've consistently seen from the Vancouver Canucks. So we'll get to Demko in just a minute here because, yeah, I think there was a few times that you know he could have stepped up uh, as he's done consistently in the past and been able to, to secure a win for the Vancouver Canucks. But it's not like you can put it on Demko. I think looking at what this Canucks team was giving up and the spots where they were actually giving up scoring chances and shots, attempts, like, you know, the Preds were just getting to the crease. They were getting so many shots within 10 feet of the crease. It's just ridiculous. And this is something that we've seen consistently with this Canucks team. UC Saros, like, he did come up big for them, obviously. Like, there was... That, that one sequence where Sheldon Drys had about 45 shots on net in like 15 seconds, and, and that line w- was good. I thought that that trio uh, of Pearson, Drys, and Garland ended up playing pretty decent in the role that they're put into that spot. They were getting at least a lot more scoring chances. Possession numbers were good for them. But it, it, it did come down to the goaltending, so I'll let you dive into that before we get to Bo Horvat's shootout attempt. But Demko, it just felt like... The, the game really turned when Saros looked like he took control of being the better goaltender in that game, though he was, you know, the first few goals, like, you know, he Saros probably wants to have a couple of those back at least, uh, and an opportunity for him to kind of take this game over. That's what I felt like he did a little bit late into the game, not necessarily being the best player in this game, but just like winning the goaltending matchup by a majority in the final 30 minutes of this game was what UC Saros did to me, and I think... um yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with Thatcher Demko. I think it's going to be a very interesting next seven days here as we are going to see four Canucks games. They're all back-to-backs. Um, so you're going to see Spencer Martin twice uh, in the next four games here. It's going to be very uh, interesting talking point over the next seven days to see what happens if Demko continues to slump. I mean, his save percentage sub 900 right now. Spencer Martin is coming off of a good game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Say what you want about what he did against the, the Ducks. They ended up getting the win in that one, whatever. But I thought there were some pretty bad defensive plays there as well, but Martin wasn't really on his game uh, for a couple of those goals as well. But the next seven days, like I said, there's four games. You're going to see Spencer Martin for two of them. So I'll, I'll let you go in on Demko and what you saw today anyway, or from, from Saturday's game. Sure. So it's no secret that Thatcher Demko hasn't been good enough this year, right? Like it, it's no secret. And again, it's not news that I'm saying this. So what we saw on Saturday night was two, you know, guys who picked up Vesna votes last year and deservedly so I think I had both of them on my ballot actually and I think I might have picked Saros to win the Vesna this year anyways we won't get into that UC Saros is a fantastic goalie he's an elite level netminder and what we saw was him rise to the occasion after having a tough start in that game you know rise to the occasion and really shut the door again 42 saves on 45 shots against for UC Saros in that game Thatcher Demko on the other hand 27 saves on 30 shots. Now, the problem with Thatcher Demko in that game was that maybe he let in one goal that you kind of looked at and you said, it would have been nice for him to have that one. Now, with the other ones, those aren't really on him. But with those goals, you kind of look at years past and say, okay, usually Demko stops with at least one of those and it's the difference maker for the Canucks. So I'm not okay with this whole narrative that you know Demko's been the problem for this team. He hasn't been the problem. The team has many problems ahead of him. I think just unlike in years past, he isn't the solution 
to all the problems that this team has. And I think that's something that's, you know, been recognized by this front office. You know, Jim Rutherford's even said it, uh, you know, that last year they got bailed out a lot by Demko and he hit a lot of their mistakes. Right now he's not playing well enough to hide their mistakes. Now, do you fault him for that? Do you say we need to get rid of this guy or we need to change it up? Because look, folks, like, you know, people are clamoring for Spencer Martin. Spencer Martin let in five goals against Anaheim and there was two in that game I counted that he would want to have back, that you kind of look at and say, hmm, it would have been nice if he had stopped those ones. And Demko, you really can't say the same thing. Like Demko still lately has been the better goaltender. I still think you give Spencer Martin a shot, but you know, to the folks online who I'm seeing who are saying, give Martin the starting job, Demko's been worse than him. I don't think that's fair. I, I really don't think that's a fair evaluation of the games. And I think, you know, Lachlan wrote a really good column. He just started it called In the Crease over at Canucks Army. He's going to be running it every Sunday where he kind of breaks down the week that was for Canucks goaltenders, for goaltenders around the league. You know, he breaks down each save technically in depth, um, does a really good job of explaining everything uh, to those of us who maybe don't know goaltending as well as he does. So, Again, like you, you kind of go back and look at those goals and the article's up right now. You can go read it in the crease at Canucks Army. You go look at those goals and, you know, none of them are really on Demko, right? Like there was maybe one that the one that sailed over his shoulder through traffic that you're kind of like, well, it would have been nice to stop that. But again, that's a pretty perfectly placed shot through traffic that he couldn't see. It's just, I, I don't buy this whole idea that, you know, Thatcher Demko has been this team's problem. He hasn't been the problem. He just hasn't been the solution as well, which is really what's frustrating them. Yeah, I think there's a couple in the Minnesota game that uh, were, were tough ones for Demko for sure. But I, I think what you're saying is, is, and what I saw Kevin Woodley talk about today a little bit on Donnie and Dolly was kind of something that made me think a little bit more about it was there's there's so many two-on-ones coming up against Demko and he's just getting beat, right? Like the puck's beating him to where he needs to get on the ice. And something that Demko had to do so much last year when I was thinking about this was like, he, he needs to cheat, right? Because of the defense in front of him, because of the grade A scoring chances, Demko needs to cheat for that. Right now, he's not really cheating. He's more sitting into his spot and not getting across you know, as fast because, listen, they're grade A scoring chances that are coming up against them on two-on-ones. He can't cheat right now, but it's almost like to the point now where we might have to see him move into that role of, of having to lean a little bit more to the pass and go to the, you know, the guy who's going to be receiving the pass on a two-on-one. And I think... That's what's that might even hurt even more because if you do start to cheat a little bit, which is something that he might have to do because he's getting beat in the situations where he doesn't cheat, those those two on ones are just going to continue to be scored on, whether it be the pass across or potentially him cheating and being beat on the normal side with the shooter. It is all about the defense right now and about what they're not doing for this Canucks team. And yes, like Demko sometimes made those saves last year. A lot of the time he made those saves last year on two and ones, massive saves. And you're right. He's not making those right now. He's not going out there and winning them for him. But I'm completely in agreement of like this, this defense and how much scoring chances. Like I had the heat map up earlier. How many shots are you expected to save when they're getting, you know, 15 to 20 shots off from that close in tight from your crease? Like you can't be expected to make 95% of the saves there. Like it's just, it is the defense here up to this point that's been letting them down consistently. I mean, this is not. It's not breaking news either. This is, this is what's let the Canucks down for a long time, and I think some of these defensemen that we're seeing not being able to clear the crease, I think Stillman's been a really good example of it. it. You need to be able to at least just get guys away from the crease and not allow such easy just scoring chance after scoring chance against your goaltender because you can't just rely on him to save you every game, and that's what we're seeing with Demko. I think it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to watch. Uh, Jeffrey Lee jumped in the chat and said, well, I still think Demko has been playing better than Martin. The team seems to have been playing better in front of Martin than Demko. That's fair. That's honestly fair. That's and true. It, like yeah. we said, it's going to be interesting to see what Spencer Martin does with the opportunities he's given. But I want to get back to that because you just mentioned it. You know, the decrease, uh, you know, the decor. And Bryce jumped in and said, this decor is tragic uh, in the chat. And I think that's a really good way to put it because that third goal, that third Predators goal, the one that broke the camel's back, was completely on Riley Stillman. And honestly, you go back and watch that goal. It doesn't look any prettier the more you watch it. And honestly, I think that's a good transition to the next thing we're going to talk about. Because folks... No, before we Riley get... Stillman I got the, the Bo Horvat. I know, I know. Show us the... This just... It was... You can pull this up, Alex. The Bo Horvat shootout attempt. This was basically just putting like an icing on the 
on the cake and then throwing a bunch of cherries on top after. Just the fact that this was how the game ended on a night where you had a 3 nothing lead after the first period. Bo Horvat coming in and just losing the puck here on a shootout. I mean, it just stick handling. The same move we've seen him do. We've seen him do this, you know, 20 times in his career, right? This is the, the same route that he takes on every shootout attempt that he does. Uh, and just the fact that this was the night where he, like, touches it wrong with the backhand on the deke and loses it, it, it just, it was such, you know, for, for Canucks fans who have been watching this team, it's like, oh, is that surprise you at all that happened? Absolutely not. Like, that's how the game ends in a game where you blew a 3 nothing lead, of course. Like, I don't know. It, it was a tough scene all in all, and that was, uh, you know, another night where, and Miller talked about this because, like, the, the, the crowd at Rogers Arena has been um, up and down, to say the least. But it was another night where after that shootout, and for good reason seeing how that play played out, like, the team was once again booed off the ice. And it, it's going to be, like, this road trip, we saw how the last road trip went for the Vancouver Canucks, not well. Uh, this one's going to be very telling again for this team who's going to have to deal with back-to-back, back-to-backs. And that's going to be another tough road trip for this for this team who, man, yeah, just another way to, you know, and Bruce said it, OEL talked about it today as well, like, feels like this team is really, really afraid to lose. Like, they are very afraid of a team coming back, and it's clearly, like, showing on their play on the ice in the second and, and more specifically, the third periods, but, man, like, that is a, that is the worst virus you can have in your locker room right now is, like, the the thought of being afraid to lose. Like, man... You're, you know, you're a professional athlete. All these guys have won in their, in their lives, right? In their junior careers and their, you know, minor league careers. These guys have all won. And right now they're playing at the NHL level with the thought of being afraid to lose. That is the worst thing you can have right now in your locker room. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're seeing it with this team, right? And the results that that's bringing and the results ain't pretty. It's no secret. Uh, you know, that this team's in trouble with their defense core. And again, w- the help, is it on the way? Like, where is it coming from? Because, like, Jim Rutherford's going to speak on Sportsnet 650 today, and we're going to break it down. He's speaking at 5 o'clock. We're going to break it down tomorrow, I'm sure, because there are people asking, you know, who's making the lineup decisions here? Like, why is Jack Rathbone not getting in games? Is the organization worried that he's going to ask for a trade at some point? Because, again, I don't even want to make this about Jack Rathbone again. Like Kyle Burroughs is more deserving of a spot than Riley Stillman right now, right? And I, I think, you know, you kind of have to have it like as a, you know, competition where guys don't just think that their spot is guaranteed on the team, right? Because right now that's kind of what it feels like for this team. I, I feel like there's just not much competition, even though Boudreaux talked about, you know, after that game of, oh, we've got eight defensemen, you know, that'll that's really going to help us. When you hear comments like that, you're thinking, oh, well, changes are coming. And today we saw some lineup changes. And I think that's what we'll talk about next because the lineup changes really aren't what we thought they'd be. Yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you what, the Rutherford coming out at five is perfect. I have therapy from four to five, so I'll come out of there with a fresh brain ready to be broken down again from whatever Rutherford says. Uh, let's get to the lineup changes. Uh, Tanner Pearson is now playing on the top line because uh, though we have the graphic for his stock going up, that's not what's happening in my eyes with Tanner Pearson right now. But in the Canucks lineup, he is going up like our old graphic. Uh, Pearson's going to be playing with JT Miller and Brock Besser is what it looks like. Besser still kind of talked about as day-to-day, but I think seeing him on this line with Huglander being an extra, uh, that kind of indicates to me we're going to see him on Tuesday. You know, potentially you don't. Maybe you see Huglander there on Tuesday, but then Besser comes in on Wednesday. Just with the back-to-backs, it'll be interesting. But I think because of, like, what type of – I wouldn't even want to call it injury, right? Besser's dealing with like a scar that's opening up and making it difficult for him to play. He's heavily taped at practice. You can see there's a lot of tape on his hand right now. Um, at least the last time that we saw him here in Vancouver, didn't obviously see him in Ottawa today. Cause I'm here in Vancouver, but um, that's going to be your top line. Pearson Miller, Besser. They're not going to change the Pedersen line. You got Kuzmenko and Mikheyev on his wings, but because Miller moves to center, you're going to have Horvat now centering pod Colson and Garland. Uh, and then the fourth line staying the same, Joshua Amon and Stud Nika. With, uh, like I said, Huglander and Drives being the extras. What do you think about, I guess we'll start with like, let's go with the forwards first here. Miller back to center um, yep. is where we should start, I think, because I, I find that, yeah, interesting. I know they have to make some sort of changes the way this team is playing, but I don't know if moving Miller back to center is the thing. I don't know if that's the move. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Uh, you wrote about it in Scenes from Canucks Practice, which is up now at Canucks Army. But what Bruce Boudreaux said, because he was asked about this, he said, nope, it wasn't a tough decision at all because... We only moved Miller to the wing because he felt like he wasn't at his best and he wanted to get his game going. Now he's back at center, which is where I want to play him. That's what Bruce Boudreaux had to say about the decision to move Miller back. Uh, I just want to quickly get to this because someone in the chat jumped in. Uh, Yeah, Kevin Punter jumped in the chat and said, Pearson on the top line worked out so well last time. Let's do that again. Uh, Tanner Pearson, obviously, as you said, finding himself with JT Miller and Brock Besser. And again, I don't think that's really the Canucks top line per se I think they'll probably get the least amount of ice time out of all three forward lines uh in the top nine that is excuse me and I don't know like Miller at center I thought you finally had something working with Horvat it felt like like the team's offense was starting to click and is that a great defensive line the Pearson Miller Besser one like is that something that you're comfortable rolling out like I Honestly, I don't really understand the uh, the decision, and we'll see if you know it's as simple as Bruce says, where Miller's you know got his game back, and now he'll be a fine center. I just I don't know if that was that would be the change that I would make. I think that's a step backwards, if I'm being honest with you. No, and I, I hope he's got a step back because if you look at like I, I looked up some of the numbers, and it's not really possession numbers. That's the problem with JT Miller. Like that's not an issue. I think they do spend a decent amount. Of time, and obviously they had a negative Corsi uh, when Miller was playing center, but they also had a negative Corsi when he was playing on the wing, anyway. So I'm not really looking at just simple possession numbers, but more of like just creating scoring chances and also allowing scoring chances. There's a ridiculous difference between Miller playing on the wing and playing at center. When Miller's playing at center this season, he's on the ice for 28.25 expected goals. They're expected to score 28% of the goals that are being scored on the ice. That is not good. When Miller's been on Horvat's wing, 60%. They're at 60% for expected goals. Like, they are expected to score 60% of the goals while the play is going on. That's very good. That is 30% higher than it is when he is playing center. That's that's not a good look at all. And I know that there were some tough games and there was, you know, a lot better performances when he was on the wing. But does that not make, like, there's... There's correlation there to me, like the fact that he's playing on the wing and this team's playing better. I was, I'm very surprised to see him move back to center. And then similar things with the scoring chances. When Miller was playing center, his expect his scoring chances for was 39%. Not good at all. You're not getting a lot of the scoring chances. And that's funny to me because the, the course, he doesn't change that much. The shot attempts aren't changing that much. But the scoring chances are a massive difference, going from 39% when he's playing center to 57% when he's on Horvat's wing. It's much higher when he's playing on the wing, not just getting in the zone and firing shots on net, because that doesn't change that much when he's playing center or playing wing. It's about the scoring chances. It's about him creating. It's about Miller's line going to the net hard and also being able to defend their own net. That's like that. These little simple stats that aren't like crazy hard analytics to understand is the thing to me where it's like, no, he's a massive liability 
in his own zone when he's playing center, and he's much better when he's on the wing. So I'm very surprised to see this. I think, you know, it, it looks good on paper to be like, hey, look at our three centers down the middle. This is great. But um, just everything we've seen this season, it's not worked out well. So like you said, if Boudreaux said, you know, now he's got his skating underneath of him, I don't know, where was that in the start of the season? Why wasn't it ready for the, the beginning of the season? Can we look back at preseason and say, hmm, Miller was pretty do- was dogging it pretty hard in preseason there. Maybe the, that was a worry for Canucks fans when we were, you know, doing the show back in the preseason and saying, oh, it's maybe it's preseason. It doesn't really matter. Well, why wasn't it ready for game one when Miller was playing center back then, right? That's that's a question I think you have to have about Bruce Boudreaux saying, no, it's good now. Like, he's feeling good about his skating. Should have been feeling good about your skating in day one. And that's... It's just something you're hearing from the Canucks a lot where it's like, yeah, we're learning a lot of lessons. We're learning a lot of lessons. It's like, well, then do something with the stuff you're learning, right? Like this this team talks about learning things and learning how to win. How long is it going to – how many losses do you need to have this good of a, a roster, these players that you expect a lot from, and just not get – like I, I get so tired of hearing the learning things. Like, no, y'all are in the NHL, man. Like some of you guys have been in the NHL for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. Right? How much more learning to win can does OEL need? Right? I know he didn't learn a lot in Arizona about it. He hasn't learned a lot in Vancouver about it, but he's been around the NHL and been a high quality player long enough to like these these I don't know. It, it's strange to me just like a lot of the this the things we're hearing out of the locker room uh just don't seem to match up a lot of things we're seeing on the ice. That's just what I've seen over the last little bit here. Yeah, absolutely. The chat's very active today. People are asking if I'm in my bedroom. I am not. I'm in my office, uh, which technically isn't a bedroom because it doesn't even have a window. But anyway, uh, and then someone asked if I'm wearing my pajamas. This is a nice dress shirt. This is like a good dress shirt that I'm wearing. It's a nice one. I I do all my headshots in it. It looks good. Uh, Okay, the lineup changes. Before we get to the defense court, Chris, you wanted to talk about the dog update. You had this in the Monday mailbag over at Canucks Army. That's three Canucks Army article plugs uh, for me on the show today. So, get into the dog rating because you went you went through and kind of broke down everybody's on the season right yeah full season 12 games pull it up alex we got the dog ratings uh from the 12 games did some calculations learned i finally learned how to do it in, in microsoft excel so uh we've got all the dog ratings in here which is just it's beautiful it's come together kyle burrow's leading the way i don't think that shocks anyone through 12 games he's sitting nearly 90 uh on his dog rating which is very impressive um dakota josh was up there luke shen elias Pettersson. Uh, these players don't really surprise you. Pedersen's a little bit surprising because, listen, the dog rating, it's about like, you know, the dog rating's more created for grinders and created for like a Kyle Burroughs type, right? Like the dog rating, you should show well if you're Kyle Burroughs, but Elias Pedersen being fourth on the team, like he is working that hard. He abs, like he doesn't need to have that dog in him because he's the skill guy, but he's got that dog in him on top of what he's doing with the skill, which is so impressive to see Pedersen coming at fourth. Uh, on the list here. And that's kind of like to that degree. That's why Quinn Hughes at the bottom. Quinn Hughes doesn't play like he's got to have that dog in him. He That's not the type of player he is. He's a finesse defenseman. So that's what he needs to do. He brings a lot of that into there. Uh, and that's why he's on the bottom. I wouldn't worry too much about him. But then I look at, you know, Jack Rathbone similar, right? He's not going to play a big physical game. He's second lowest on the list so far. But then it's like Riley Stillman should have that dog in him, right? He He's playing in the same role that Kyle Burroughs is. Kyle Burroughs has dominated in the dog rating because he makes a big impact in a third-line role. Riley Stillman should be playing that same type. He's sitting at 36, third worst on the team. So I don't know. You tell me. Any interesting names where you see them ranked out here, Quads? I mean, you already mentioned that Elias Pettersson probably shouldn't be that high, but he is because he has that dog in him. And again, like I think Riley Stillman's the one that stands out, and not to pick on one guy, but Riley Stillman, OEL, you know, those are two guys that should be higher, right? Like Riley Stillman's supposed to be this, you know, rugged defenseman, throws hits and is defensively responsible. But Kyle Burroughs is at the top of this team. And you've got Luke Shen, you know, long ahead of him as well. And I just, honestly, I, I just, you want to see so much more. You want to see so much more from him and you're just not seeing it. And again, like, I don't know. I, I No surprises on the dog rating, I guess. Everything kind of checks out, I guess, partly because I've reviewed every single time that you've put them together for the for the Stanchies and everything. So I guess no surprises for me, but I want to talk about Riley Stillman. Riley Stillman is still looking like he's going to be in this well, team's lineup. And Yeah, first, before, everyone in the chat's bringing up Ethan Bear, and uh, he's coming in at fifth. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
I've, I've liked Bear so far. And like I said, like if you're playing in the third pairing role, you got to have that dog in you a little bit, right? The dog rating's not made for your number one puck moving defenseman. The dog rating's made for guys like Dakota Joshua, who's showing well in a fourth line role. Uh, Ethan Bear, who's playing on your third pairing and, and needing to have that dog in him to stay in the lineup. He comes in at fifth. I think that's a good spot for Ethan Bear on this team. Uh, Kuzmenko coming in at six is also good. Like he has been working hard uh, and, and doing a lot of the things that affect the dog rating. Somebody's asking for the formula in here, not giving out the secret formula, but I mean, I don't know. I look at the results here and the results look pretty match my eye test on how I would talk about with the dog rating. The formula I think is, is locked in right now. So um, yeah, I, like I said, Quinn Hughes on the bottom doesn't really, you know, I don't think that makes it horrible. Uh, be just because of the way he plays, he doesn't need to have that dog in him, right? And the fact that Burroughs and Joshua are up there, yeah, we'll get to Stillman now because, uh, as you see on the bottom, still, man, uh, it, it's, I don't know, it, it, another day where the the lines come out. Uh, we're not in Ottawa. Shout out Thomas Durant, the one tweeting him out. I I don't get, I I just I thought that you know. Watching that last game on Saturday where Stillman plays like, what, one shift in the final 10 minutes of the game? Like three shifts in the whole third period? I'm like, oh, perfect. They, they, something clicked with Boudreaux and he needs, like, he, he must be aware, okay, now's the time I've got to move to Burroughs or Rathbone. And listen, you and I have been on the free Rathbone train forever. Uh, I don't think that's going to change. Rathbone, I'd love to see him in the lineup. Not even that. I, I, I would rather see Stillman out of the lineup than Rathbone in. If it's Kyle Burroughs that goes in, Perfect. Let him play on the yep. left side. I am completely fine with that. Stillman has just been, man, it's the numbers are just ridiculous. He's got the worst goals against per 60 on the whole team. He's got the worst expected goals against per 60 out of all the defense score. His last game, he finishes 22% Corsi, 16%, 16% expected goals. Stillman has like in his time as a Vancouver Canuck, if you go per 60 in goals against, Stillman is on the ice for two more than two times as many goals as Burroughs is. Like, more than tw- more than two times. So every, like, 30 minutes, how many more goals are we seeing with Stillman on the ice? It's two times as many as it is with Kyle Burroughs in the lineup. So as much as I'd love to see Jack Rathman be given a chance here and not just sit in the press box and continue to not get an opportunity to develop... Even if Kyle Burroughs comes in, it's going to make this team better. It, it, I, I can't see a world where either Rathbone or Burroughs doesn't make this team better coming in and playing. I mean, yeah. Like, what do you even say at this point, right? And again, like, you brought it up. There's there's better options all over the place. Like, Rathbone, Burroughs, you just brought them up. And, like, I don't even know what you say at this point because, look, like, I laid it out in the last stanchies, the Rathbone Manifesto. I laid it out and I said, you know, you've got this guy who, sure, maybe right now the difference is marginal between him and everybody else that we're talking about. Sure, maybe it's marginal uh, in terms of the pros and cons of what they bring to a lineup. But, you know, you kind of wrote about in the mailbag as well today. Rathbone's the only one of those guys that has a chance to become a top four defenseman, right? He's a puck moving defenseman. And someone in the chat even jumped in uh, and said, I love when we sit a puck moving defenseman for a standing still one. And literally that's what Riley Stillman is. And it's not even just Riley Stillman's fault because look, like even there was a player on Nashville that talked about it last, you know, last game in the Saturday night game about how the Canuck strategy is just, you know, flip out the puck to center ice, go for a line change and just hope for the best. And, you know, they give up grade A chances all over the place. It's not an effective strategy. Like you need to keep the puck along the ice. You can't just keep flipping it out every single time and hope for the best. It's not working. It's literally not working. It's, it's just, it's almost like there's no real answer. Like we're not, I don't think either of us are suggesting that Jack Rathbone or Kyle Burroughs is going to come into this lineup and fix everything. Right. I don't think that's what we're suggesting, but I think that we're suggesting that it gets marginally better and it gets a little bit more stomachable. I think you're more comfortable losing a game if you gave Jack Rathbone or Kyle Burroughs a shot that we both think that they deserve than you are just keeping the same defense core and continuously losing games in just embarrassing fashion too. It's just, I'm running out of things to say. I'm running out of things to say. Like so, Jack Rathbone last year gets what nine games in the NHL before he's sent down to the HL for the whole season. The year before that, he he's on the taxi squad for most of the year. Played eight games in the HL that year. Played eight games in the NHL that year. 
Like, how has Rathbone been around this team? And, and not only this organ, like this team, this Vancouver Canucks team, he's been around this team with, within what, like 60 kilometers, even if you just want to call it down to, to Abbotsford. Like, he's been around this team for three seasons and he's played 21 games. Like, I, I had to look it up today because I was like, how many games has he actually gotten into? 21. You're saying in those 21 games, including like the eight in his very rookie season during a pandemic where the team sucked so bad in the COVID year and last season where he played the first nine games, you're telling me that in those 21 games, like this team is already like, ah, you know, the defense is a huge problem. We can't play him. Like, how do you know? How do you think that that's what this kid is doing when he came in at what? 21 years old and was trying to grow this game. And also all the praise that he got from the general manager about what he did in Abbotsford last year and how this offseason we heard from from Patrick Alvin saying, no, he's like an NHL. He's going to be on an NHL roster. He's going to be an NHL player. And, and you don't see it. Like, I, you, neither, you either need to play him, but if you're going to play Burroughs, you better get Rathbone down to the HL, make him play some games then too, because he's just going to sit there and do nothing. And I sit there in the press box, and I watch Stillman fall over the ice and players skate around him and him not clear out the net well. And I just look back, and I see Jack Rathbone sitting there in the press box, and I'm thinking, man, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be making this many big mistakes. And that's something that's in, like you've heard. I've heard this from Tyler Myers. I saw Bo Horvat talking about this on after hours, but I've heard this from Myers a lot, which is funny that he actually says it. Cause it happens a lot to him, but it's like they play a really good 50 minutes. And then there's like little stretches where they make these horrific errors. And that's what Stillman's doing to me a lot. It is these big, huge errors. He's making a lot of the similar ones that people have trashed Tyler Myers for in the past. But like, I don't I don't see like Rathbone doesn't play like his defensive game isn't like a boomer bust defensive game like it is with like Myers and it feels like Stillman's the same way and you're seeing a lot of like you know not a lot of like success in that boomer bust mentality from Riley Stillman defensively right now and it's like listen you have that with Myers already you don't need two defensemen playing on a pairing together doing that Rathbone isn't going he's he's gonna be outbodied at times right like he, he's gonna be pushed around a little bit in the corners I think by some big forwards and listen that that'll happen to a lot of defensemen but he's not like to me he's not a guy who's like always out of position defensively like you can't tell me in those 21 games that like every game he's been in there's been like even one play in each of those 21 games where you're like oh geez look at what Rathbone did there that is horrible have you have you been able to say that about Stillman in every single game he's played for the Canucks I, I think absolutely like and that's I just it's you know we we talk we've talked about this I don't know how many shows in a row and it's just it's unfortunate that this kid who Utah I think the most the best point you've made about this whole thing is he's the only one out of this you know guys that he might be marginally better than or marginally worse than that has potential to potentially be a top four guy down the road and the fact that they're not giving him this opportunity and, and man you just it made so much sense today to see the change on the defense score and you didn't see it you know, like why why is Stillman still there it, it's wild. It's wild. Sterling brings up a good, like Sterling said it in there. Rathbone isn't the liability like Stillman is, but he's being, is he being played because the, the trade, like, is that it? Is that why he's being played? Because they just traded for him and they don't want to make it sound so bad that they just gave away a second round pick to, to do it. Like, is that why Stillman's getting this long run? That's why it's going to be interesting to hear Jim Rutherford today. Talk about things because I, I hope they ask some questions like that. I think they have to, right? Like, it's unavoidable at this point. And again, I don't want to speculate too much. I don't want to try and pretend like, you know, that that's not a possibility. But I also don't want to spend too much time talking about something that we really don't know. It's, you know, it's worth kind of noting and thinking about, I guess. But I think we need to find the answer for that, right? Um, Because, yeah, I mean, if it's Bruce making this line of decisions and then you, you know, you hear management say another thing, there's there's a problem there, right? So we'll wait and see what Rutherford says today and we'll, we'll have a write-up on it at Canucks Army, I'm sure, and we'll talk about it uh, tomorrow as well. But again, yeah, we're just talking about Riley Stillman again. Like, we're in the same place. And again, like, Riley Stillman's a good dude. That's the thing that makes this so hard is he's, like, a nice guy. And look, you, you hate to say it, but he hasn't been good enough. And when there's guys sitting beneath him in the lineup, we need to we need to say something about it because it's... It's insane. Like the, the fan base is losing their patience, right? And again, this is ignoring, we already talked about it, I know, but the the whole forward line combinations today, even that didn't instill much confidence, right? And it's just, it, it feels like the same song and dance with this team. And I understand why there's so many people checking out 
in November, like early November, there's so many people checking out already on this season and, you know, laughing at this team, just laughing about it because they're like, I can't care enough to care. So I'm just going to laugh because it's hilarious how bad this team is and how they've gotten to this place through no fault but their own. And I've seen enough people like say this. I think it started as a joke a, a week ago, but it's like, is Stillman in the lineup for the tank? Like, is, is that what it is? Like, you know, I, it's wild to me that at least, and listen, we'd love to see Rathbone because I think there's, there's a chance for him to be dynamic, not in game one, but at least start to develop that. And even if it's Burroughs going in, I think Burroughs is going to be better offensively and defensively. So, yeah, I'm blo- And that's the thing. Sterling brought it up, and I, I know they, they're not bringing it up in this way, but I want to bring it up in this way. They're like, oh, but, you know, it, it's nice to have Stillman in the lineup for that that uh, sandpaper and him sticking up for teammate. What the hell was Kyle Burroughs doing in all of his games? Was he not the best at that? The best we've seen in years for sticking up for your teammates? Having Listen, he's number one dog on this team. He sticks up for everyone and not even like a question asked, right? Like if, if somebody hits one of your stars, Burroughs has already got the gloves dropped and he's going to back your guy up. He lives and bleeds for this Canucks team. Local kid, loves this organization, wants to be on the ice for a team that wants to win. I, I mean, to me, it makes, yeah, the sandpaper thing. I know that's not what you're saying, Sterling, but like that that argument has been out there about Stillman. It's like, oh, but, it, you know, he's going to come in and drop the gloves at every time. But man. No, Burroughs is that guy. Burroughs is the sandpaper guy to have in your defense core. Absolutely, yeah, he's a little bit smaller. But, man, he sticks up for guys way more. That 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 doesn't make any sense to me if that might be the argument from either the coach or the general manager on why Stillman's playing. There's just no argument in my eyes that anybody could make that says Stillman should be in the lineup over one of Burroughs or Rathbone. I think you could make an argument that... There's arguments, I think, for, say, hey, he might be better at Rathbone in these ways, which I don't agree with. There might be some things you can argue about him being better than Burroughs as a left-shot guy, maybe, or something. But, like, even there, like, I I don't think you can make the argument that he's better than either of those guys, like, or both of them anyways. Like, one of those two players should be in the lineup, and it's... I don't know what it's going to take. Like, he didn't play any minutes in the third third period. He played, what, three shifts in the third period. What else is it going to take? The coach sat him for the last 10 minutes because he couldn't trust him defensively in a game that was getting away from the Canucks. I don't know what it's going to yep. take for Stillman and, to come out of the line. And I like almost just like we, we almost need to put a ban on this for the show the next few days. Like uh, tomorrow, nothing. Tomorrow, I'm putting it down now. Tomorrow, we're not going to mention Stillman's name. No free Rathbone tomorrow. Uh, we are. No, we're not we're doing no Stillman. Lineup, so, of course, we will. We're going no, we'll to skip his name. About the lines at morning skate. No, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> We're skipping it tomorrow. I just want to, before we get to the Betway wrap-up and close out here, I just want to finish on this thought. The last time the Canucks won a game, Kyle Burroughs and Jack Rathbone were both in the lineup. And I wrote in the Stanchies, you've talked about it. Jack Rathbone's played four games. The Canucks have won two of those games. And the Canucks haven't won a lot of games this year, folks. So, again, numbers don't lie. All right, prospect report. Yeah. Oh, I got, I'm going to start it off. Aku Koskenvo. Uh, won his first start um, in the NCAA this uh, past weekend. You didn't even tell me about that. Yeah, well, I knew. I was gonna. It's up in here. Twenty-one saves against uh, uh, okay. against one anyway, of my favorite I'm team. Done. Favorite team name in NCAA: the Brown Bears, which is which is awesome. And I think didn't the Canucks win against Anaheim? Barrows and Rathbone were in the lineup, were they? My f- yes. Okay, I thought so. You confused no, the hell out of me. No, 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 no. I think, I think, uh, I think I've got that wrong. Actually, okay, I thought so. I was like, I think they. I don't think they were in the lineup. Anyways, all right, prospects report. Let's get to it. Um, the the camp for the uh, Four Nations tournament is underway in Czechia. Canucks have two players there. Uh, we've talked about in the past twenty twenty two draft picks, Jonathan Lekaramaki and DPD Elias Pettersson. Uh, they're both there, and the games begin on Wednesday. So uh, we'll be chatting more about that term. This this is like they should be scoring a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, Lekar Mackey should be scoring a lot in this tournament. Uh, Pedersen, I think, will play a lot of minutes, but it'll be interesting because it's basically a World Junior team. So we'll see how much uh, Pedersen gets to play. Lekar Mackey will get a lot. He'll be uh, probably on the first power play unit. Um, hopefully, he's putting up a lot of points because I think they're playing like Finland's U nineteen team. Uh, I think they might even play Czechia's U nineteen team. Like he should light this. Uh, light this tournament up for sure because they're missing the fourth nation. Russia is not going to be there. So there's some U19 teams playing. Um, 
for obvious reasons why Russia's not there. Uh, Danila Klimovich, he's not seeing any time on the power play. Wasn't there over the weekend in Abbotsford. I think there's a little bit of a worry there. Um, he hasn't been great this season, but uh, for him not to get any time on the power play, that's unfortunate. I'll quickly wrap it up here. We've got a minute. Uh, Aiden McDonough, he had a goal and four assists on Friday, uh, and he had an assist on Saturday. He is now tied for sixth in the NCAA for points. He played his 100th game uh, for Northeastern on Sunday, and he's got 101 points in those 100 games. All right, Betway, Betway, Betway. We've got to be quick here, Alex. Pull it up. Betway, Betway, Betway. Uh, I got my bet of the day. Please play responsibly. Must be 19 years of age or older. Betway, Betway, Betway. Power play goal and an empty net goal in the match. Should be. What's going on here with this? What is this? Soccer in the match? In the game of the Oilers and Washington. Oilers have the second best power play. Washington, they're 16th, but they still have a good power play. Uh, and I think you're going to get an empty netter in this one. Last week, we crushed it, by the way. Betway, Betway, Betway. Uh, and then my, my pre-built one. Oilers to win. Over 6.5 goals. The Oilers do that all the time. Their last three games, they've been the over. Uh, and Leon Dreisel, speaking of the last three games, he scored in the last three games. So if the Oilers win, I feel like there's a plus 400. You're getting a good one here. Betway, Betway, Betway. Betway, Betway. That's it. I'm done. Okay. Uh, I Just quickly, before we close out, and I will close it out here. Um, also, these bots in the chat. Yeah, if you, they're, these they're bots in here, they're all like, here's a picture. I don't see a picture any time here. These bots that come in here, okay, la 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 da. They got, and then it's what? Neighbors upset that the bots aren't aren't following through on their promises. That's all. All the bots in here, they got everything. They're all they're all over because we got so many people in here viewing again. A lot of people in here, and the bots. Okay. Bots are trying to get people. Don't fall for the bots, folks. Okay, quickly before we close out, I should have said uh, the Canucks most hot singles. There's a, the Bryce. Bryce says he's a hot single right there. There you go. Okay. Okay. Uh, the 5-1 victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins, that was the last time that the Canucks had Kyle Burrows and Jack Rathbone uh, both in the lineup. So I wanted to close on that thought because obviously I misspoke when I said that uh, the last win. Uh, it was, you know, the 8-5 to win against Anaheim that they both weren't in the lineup. I'm kind of dragging on now. So we'll talk tomorrow, Chris. Uh, we'll see if things change at morning skate tomorrow. But right now, we'll leave it on that thought. Uh, for my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Guadrelli. Our technical producer was Alex Allard. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Lines, baby. Lines up. Lines up. Go BC. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? <laughs>